Welcome to The Numbers Game. I'm Jason. I'm joined once again by Nick and Marty. How are you going, guys? Going well, mate. A little bit older, a little bit wiser. Feeling good. Another episode to share with the listeners. And today's going to be a good one. I'm looking forward to this. Very businessy, but I think uh, I think it'll resonate. Uh, Nick, how are you going, my friend? I'm good, mate. Thank you. Just, uh, yeah, also looking forward to this one. I think it's... Um... I think it's going to be a lot of business acquisition opportunity over the next 12 months. I think it's here at the moment. So it's it's timely that we talk about uh, whether or not it's worth buying a business or not. Um, so yeah, looking forward to it. Jace, how are you going, mate? Mate, really well. Uh, you know, the neck and shoulders feeling a lot better. I can move around. I can look in all different directions. Uh, times are good. It's good to be back and... Uh, yeah, just really excited to talk about this as well. It's been something that, that I threw on the table when we were planning our shows over the last couple of weeks and said, you know, would I be better buying a business versus growing organically? And what are the pros and cons to each? And uh, thought it'd be great to debrief and discuss with you boys after with your years of experience and doing things, you know, both ways. So uh, before we crack in, uh, this episode will be Proudly brought to you by Future Advisory. I'm going to share a little bit of talk about tax accounting firms as well. So might as well uh, bring Future Advisory in. Futureadvisory.com.au for all of your tax advisory needs. Uh, reach out if you need the team. So what got me thinking, guys, we're diving straight in today. What got me thinking about this was I came across an article um, which, which got the juices flowing and it was around Cali Partners, which is an accounting firm in Australia. Um, and they're actually expanding into the US. So if you followed the last couple of episodes, they kind of all all go hand in hand a little bit. We talked about, you know, productivity in Australia and how the productivity has been stagnant. We talked about tax reform and globalization of taxes where, you know, Facebook and Google are paying tax in Ireland and whatnot. And I shared that quite a lot of, of Aussie businesses are now expanding into different markets overseas. So it definitely caught my eye. And Cali Partners has been one, it's a bit of a case study that a lot of accounting firms have followed over the years and they are a listed accounting firm. Um, they're not one of the big four, they're, they're one of the medium sized. Um, so it puts them in quite an interesting space, but effectively what makes them stand out is that over the last 17 years, Cali Partners have acquired 83 accounting firms, which is part of their growth strategy. So it got me thinking, you know, as a, as a young accounting firm, um, you know, that's been growing organically year on year and, you know, good growth, um, was there potential that, you know, we're, we're not, uh, we're leaving some stones unturned by not going down the acquisition path. And I thought it'd be great to unpack that discuss with you guys. Um, just on sharing some of the news about Kelly partners, if I can reel through some of the key numbers and then throw to you guys to openly discuss buying versus growing organically, Kelly partners have grown 32% year on year over the last 17 years. Um, the acquisition of so then they're moving into the U S market there and they're basically comparing the company's growth to Marty's good friends at Berkshire Hathaway. Um, so the investment firm run by Warren Buffett, that's how they've been describing themselves. Um, but when you look at the net profit, um, the $13 million net profit in FY22, which was 21% up on the year earlier, um, and their revenue rose 32% in the FY2022 year to $64 million. Half year revenue 23 is 44 million. So on track for about 80, 90 million for the 2023 financial year. 
Um, so pretty big numbers for what started off as a small local accounting firm that for 17 years has just acquired and acquired and acquired and bought. And then through listing on the ASX have ended up with quite an interesting multiple on how their business has been valued, which is always something for business owners to consider um, how that's how going much? to happen. How much? What's the multiple? Oh, yeah. they're, they're getting somewhere between 10 and 15 because they're listed yeah. on the ASX. So if I, I can find that number while I throw to you and, and get the up to date, that's the beauty of the business being listed on the ASX. The uh, share, uh, the people buying and selling the shares get to dictate the price um, and that dictates the multiple. So I'll bring that up. But I mean, I use the Cali Partners example and then, you know, now expanding to the US. I said a few episodes ago that the Australian market, you know, is 26 million people, not all taxpayers, some of those are babies and children. Um, whereas America, you've got 300 million, give or take. So for Cali Partners and, and that strategy of expanding into that market, if they can rinse and repeat that same strategy, you've got to imagine that there's, you know, some pretty good opportunities for them. But that got me thinking, you know, what are the pros and cons of buying a business versus growing organically? And thought we could discuss that a little bit today. But yeah, off off the top, what are your thoughts on the uh, Cali Partners journey, guys? It's incredible being a business that has acquired in the past and understanding um, what that takes from a systems, processes, you know, complete operations, but also capital, uh, headspace, um, culture. Like it's just, it's not easy. Um, and if they're they're integrating these existing people into their businesses, it's bloody hard. So, tell you what, I, I, I'm I'm inspired to be honest. If I'm going to be, I, I had no idea. Obviously, I knew what we we're going to talk about, but I didn't know it was seventeen. Uh, sorry, eighty three in the last seventeen years. So that to me is um, amazing and also inspiring, and gives me a little bit of a kick up the ass, for lack of a better word. Yeah, the first thing you want to do is go and talk to them, don't yeah. you? Because you go. Obviously, they're acquisition specialists. They have a strategy around this. Like you said, Nick, it's culturally, it works based on the numbers. There'd be a lot more at play too. And immediately you go, how are they doing that effectively to, to get that integration working really well as well as still you know, hitting the scoreboard and providing value to their market? Uh, there's there's a lot of elements there that would be fantastic to unpack because that's one of the – yeah. Let me just then also give you this number because it does actually put in perspective the where this doesn't actually make sense in a sense, you know, it makes sense for them, but not for the general market, so to speak. When when accounting firms acquire other accounting firms off market, off off ASX listed, we're talking generally it's um one to one point five revenue done on a revenue basis. Or if it's a multiple of profit, it can be three, four, five multiple of profit, depending on systems, processes, structure, longevity of clients. Um, I, for Cali Partners, they are at 15 times profit, their valuation on the stock market at the moment. They're, they're valued, they've got a market cap of $202 million, and their profit last year was $13 million. So they're, they're trading at 15x their profit. Yeah, and look, I think that's that's why listing is so powerful, right? Um, which is uh, why businesses go that way because you've you've got access to capital number number one and number two. You could buy a suburban practice, um, completely destroy anyone else who was competing to buy that practice. Um, if the market value is one one and a half times, and you decide we're going to pay two, 
because uh, we can roll it into our business at um, well, sorry, if we're talking about net profit, you pay pay three to four times. We might pay five because we can roll into our business at fifteen. Um, automatic uplift, not to mention the the costs they probably cut out um, once once they do acquire. So yeah, there's a um, there's a particular insurance business that's doing similar things that's listed in the general insurance market. I think they traded about twenty times multiple on the ASX um, and so they are just buying up uh, anyone they can that's not listed and pretty much doubling the value as soon as they bring it in so it's a good strategy if you've yeah and, and you also have the opportunity of complementary services that the main entity might have that maybe some of the smaller practices don't have as well so that value could be even more so optimized in regards to the database that they have and also you might have uh, efficiency optimization as well, where you don't have to take on a lot of their logistics. You might have management into play, and so that that revenue is actually more, much more valuable to you, even on the real time, you know, real time numbers as we're seeing here. So it's um, yeah, it's 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 very fascinating, but also impactful as to what you can do. And as long as look, some of the you know some of the the cons to it is always that fear of is it the right fit? Mm-hmm. You know, is it because the last thing you want to do is build a great business and then buy another business that destroys the culture of what you've originally had. But these these guys are sophisticated enough. Well, whoever's running it, I'm not sure who's running it, but but sophisticated enough to make sure this is almost seamless. To do 83, mm-hmm. you must have a, a specialised system in play and great people around it to make sure it works. And that's their strategy. So why wouldn't they? 100% really clever and definitely opening up the my mind to the potential and the opportunities. Um, you know, and, and we're now being exposed to a lot more of this from our clients too. Our clients are either being acquired or they're looking at acquiring as well, which is a really exciting and interesting time um, for our firm. Um, you know, in, in some of the, the prep I did before this, just thinking about, you know, the pros of buying a business. So um, like Kelly Partners in the example, they've got immediate operations. Like they've got something that's set up, it's structured, there's clients, there's revenue, it's ready to rock and roll. So if you're looking to buy a business to get started, these are the kind of things that you're you're thinking about. If you've got the money, would you start from scratch and have all the risk and, and all the opportunities to potentially get things wrong? Or would you look to buy something that's established that you can see, touch, feel, and understand before you get into it? So that's all. That's one of the pros of buying something established. You've also probably then got the existing brand and customer base. Um, so, you know, if you are buying and taking over an existing brand or if you're then going to rebrand but keep the existing customer base, um, that's, that's another pro. Um, and then, look, one of the other things is because it's generating its own revenues and profits is you're more likely to be able to get some finance. Um, correct me if I'm wrong, Marty. If, you, if you're looking to buy a business, they will take into consideration the, the cash flow and the funding uh, yeah, on, on the business side as well. So some pretty decent pros um, that w- that go towards why it is worthwhile buying a business. Um, I might go through a couple of cons, then maybe Nick, if you wouldn't mind sharing from your experience having bought businesses, does that kind of line up with with your expectations or your thoughts of what you've been through? But some of the cons that, that are reported about buying a business is that it's it's a more expensive way to go about it. You You generally got to front up money to buy you know, operations, customer base, business, as opposed to doing it yourself while it might take a little bit longer, can often be cheaper to start from scratch and build it up yourself. You don't have that upfront investment. 
Um, also when you buy someone else's business, there's hidden problems that you may not have known about. Now, unless you're paying for due diligence and you've got a whole bunch of lawyers and accountants tearing through the business, um, you know, there may be problems with the business that you did not know about, which is why it was up for sale and somebody was trying to offload their problems and make it, make it yours. And then the other one would be integration issues. You think that um, that person's business that you're buying was a good fit for yours, but it turns out that the culture was different, the clients expected or the customers wanted something different, and then there's integration issues and it doesn't kind of sync together as well as you would have thought. Um, they're kind of the main things that we, we kind of see when it comes to the pros and cons of buying a business. How does that stack up with real life expectation, Nick, of, of having bought a business before? Yeah, and I think for us, it's a little bit different uh, in where we acquired. So we had an existing business um, and you're buying an existing business to, to bring it in, very similar to what Kelly Partners are doing. So I think, that's, I think that's very different to starting a business versus buying a business. But I think when you're acquiring, and this is some of the, the learnings that we've had, um, a lot of a lot of the pros you've just talked about can also be um, risk factors. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, immediate operations. Well, you know, is there um, is it too hard to to change what they're doing? Because ideally, you want to bring that into your own um, systems and processes. So there's change there. So um, you know, management uh, change management is huge when you're doing this stuff. You've got to make sure that if you're bringing people into your business who work for someone else that were used to a different way of doing things. Uh, used to a different culture. Can you bring them in? Um, how are the clients going to um, going to gel with the way you do things? So you just got to be really careful in um, what businesses you are buying, and yeah, you know, make sure you've got a really good handle on what goes on day to day in that business. So you need to do your due diligence, and um, yeah, most of the ones we've bought about four or five over the time, and they're only small businesses, but. Most of them have turned out okay, but looking back, uh, the transition could have been a lot better if we had done more DD. Um, not saying we wouldn't have bought those businesses, but we would have known what to do um, as soon as we t- took over the business. We would have done a few things quicker. So I have definitely learned a lot. But what I've also learned is the cost of buying a business versus growing your business organically. And I think it's different for everyone's business. So mm. for our mortgage business, for example, we really are not looking at any acquisitions because if you buy a mortgage business, um, the, there is a connection with the client, with the existing business owner, but it's not as it's not as much as some other businesses because sometimes you won't talk to the client for two or three years. So, um, and when you buy a mortgage business, it's generally a diminishing asset. Um, it comes with a trail book attached. Uh, people are paying their loans off, so the trail is diminishing. People are refinancing or selling houses, so the trail diminishes. So, for us. It's okay. We want to buy businesses where we can actually increase the value of that business, or if that business comes in, it actually increases the value to ours. So, for a mortgage business, why would we pay three times the revenue, which is what you would pay, um, when that revenue is going to go backwards? So, if I look at three times, I'm just going to say half a million dollars is the purchase price, uh, is the is the revenue. Three times that is 1.5 million. So, I've got to pay 1.5 million to bring in half a million dollars worth of revenue. Now, half a million dollars worth of revenue for us is probably two full-time brokers. Yeah. So what's a full-time broker going to cost? Not $1.5 million. So for, for us, we're looking at it and going, we're just better off to generate leads and hire more brokers because we'll build that order out organically. Yeah. 
if the book was worth one times, it'd be maybe it would make sense. But at yeah. three times for us, it doesn't make sense. Financial planning very different. Uh, there's a constant connection with the client. You you're sitting with them annually, understanding their structures, understanding their goals, needs, and objectives. Um, and people people create more wealth. So the the need for work in financial planning um, grows as the client grows older. So it's actually an appreciating asset um, as as long as you can manage to to maintain all the clients. So where I'm going with this is for us, it's it definitely makes sense on the wealth side or financial planning side to purchase. It doesn't on mortgages. So you've just got to really understand your own your own business. Number one, can you roll it in easy enough? Can you cut costs out to bring it in? Is it something you can extract more from? And generally, when people buy businesses or acquire. They see an opportunity and they go, I can make that more profitable or I can bring more revenue from that client base. So definitely you want to have the ability to to, to improve the position of that business you're acquiring. Um, and yeah, you've just really got to do your due diligence on um, on what's what's under the hood outside of the revenue and the and the and the net profit, what is under the hood, culture, staff, mm. um, direct existing directors and whatnot. So yeah, it's it's a brilliant summary there, Nick. And I like talking to a lot of business brokers that sell businesses. Uh, it's it's always interesting. We've talked about the numbers around the high attrition rate of new businesses. So what's the yeah? You know, what are you prepared to pay to override that risk? And this is another great question to ask to say if you can go into a business that's three or four years established is profitable with a database and you're bringing a specialization to it. So you might have industry experience where what might be a problem for the potential owner, you only see solutions. So you can see a massive upside and then you've overcome that initial startup risk um, and then you can build accelerated momentum because the business is already established. So that's a really interesting premise. Um but other times you might just have a great business idea. I know being through it a few times, it's really so much work goes into mm. that first two years to get to that momentum stage where you get that flywheel effect and the momentum then carries you because of the great work that you're doing um, and your team does. So, yeah, so they're all the things you have to weigh up as to what type of business owner are you? You know, how do you want to operate? Have you got the idea of a lifetime that you go, I have to start this from scratch because I can get massive scale? Uh, alternatively, are you going to apply your skills into a business that is working and you're going to create great momentum and you can accomplish maybe in two years what it would have usually taken you, you know, maybe five to seven years and you've got to weigh up What's the cost, not only to you being able to do that, what's the cost on the current financials, of course, uh, where you can see a massive upside. So really uh, interesting way to look at it. And I suppose that then takes us to, you know, going through the pros and cons of buying an existing business. So the other side of that is going, well, as you said, Marty, starting it from scratch. So, you know, the the wins when you start from scratch is, is you know everything from day one that's happened in that business. You've got control over that business from every aspect to how it's structured, who you hire, the branding, the marketing, the prices that you charge, who you're going to work with, depending on, you know, industry, way, shape, form. But there's a lot of control that comes from starting it yourself. You're not inheriting somebody else's problems or somebody else's structures and setups. Um, Cost-wise, I mean, if you're starting it from scratch, it's a lot less investment for you to get it up and running um, as opposed to, you know, if you're paying someone 5x their profit or a multiple of their revenue, you're starting from zero and you've got to work it up. So 
it can be less expensive. So that's one pro, but at the same time, you know, could, that could also be a con as well. If you, depending on the industry you're getting into, if it ha- does have a high setup cost, if you're buying, let's say, large machinery or, you know, you need a specialized equipment um, to get up and running or licenses. Um, the other thing starting yourself is flexibility. Um, if, you know, you might be working a job for someone else and building your side hustle on the side. Um, so you haven't had to go, you know, all in and, and spend every dollar you've got to get this thing set up while you're working flexibly to get it up and running. Um, and then you can make the business model work for you and pivot and change as needed. Um, and then the other, the cons though, building a business organically, of course, is time and effort. You know, having been there, done that, you know, from the early days of, you know, version one of Future Advisory, it was, you know, 12, 13, 14, 15 hours a day, six or seven hour, six or seven days a week. It was Jason, Greg, and, you know, anyone else that we could convince to join us to, to build this up from scratch. Um, there's also a lot of risk with new businesses. I mean, if you know the numbers around businesses that fail, um, you know, three out of every five businesses that are started are gone within a couple of years. Um, so, you know, thinking about starting a business from scratch is high risk. The statistics just absolutely say, don't lie. And that's what they say. Um, and then Nick and Marty, you probably know yourselves how hard it is for a startup to get finance. If they came along and said, you know, I've just registered an ABN or I've got a company, um, I need, I need some money to, to get a ute or to buy some equipment or to, you know, I need a line of credit, you know, the odds of being able to get that done without some kind of security is probably very low or non-existent. Yeah, you certainly need security and property, but we're finding even on the asset side, if people want to buy assets, like as long as they're six months in, um, even on a startup, we're finding ways through that at the moment, which is good based on cash flows. Um, so there's, it's certainly more flexible, but it is, yeah, again, more challenging if you've got a year under your belt, at least you've got more options. If you've got security, a property, you've, you've got many more options again, but I just thinking in regards to that compounding effect in regards to looking at what those accountants are doing, they're doing exceptional numbers and time is a big factor. Like you said, I, I go, how do you get to that point? What are you prepared to skip the line and what's your strategy? I think anything can be resolved with strategy um, and even getting the current business owner to stay on, you know, for mm. three to six months. Mm. So you've got guidance in regards to how that business operates and and learn what that person knows on how they would optimise the business. Uh, where A lot of the times business owners actually know what they want to do. They just don't want to do it anymore when they're selling. So you want to get that intel to go, well, where would you've been in this business for three years? Where would you put your energies? Your circumstances have changed. And and just start asking great questions around that. What motivates the employees? Get to really understand the culture and then come up with a strategy of how you're going to maximize the return on that investment as well. So a lot can be a lot can be taken care of with the right strategy and asking the right questions um, mm. based on the numbers. I, lo- I love that you brought up leaving the existing owner in the business i think the longer the better obviously it can't be too long um but i think maybe even a year and we spoke over many episodes about um succession plans and you know there's a lot of businesses out there looking for succession plans that might not necessarily be ready to retire um but want to know what's um what's next so i think if you've got the ability to bring particularly if you're a small services business or a trade um, where people are used to dealing with individual, if you can hand them in your business for a year whilst the client base gets used to you and dealing with you, I think that's absolutely um, 
well, it's not a no-fail um, solution, but it will definitely um, minimise y- your risk as far as personnel goes. And start up again, you know, we've talked about it before, have cash flow reserves because the biggest reason people give up in that first 12 months to two years is they just run out of cash flow. They're used to potentially you know, earning a wage somewhere else. They have to create that wage all of a sudden and that's a big psychological shift that people go through as well on a new idea. Some people are naturally motivated and great at it. Um, so they, you know, they generally tend to thrive anyway. But there's always that's why franchises do well because they bring in this because I've always wondered why would anyone um purchase a mortgage choice and pay and there's no disrespect to mortgage choice at all. It's a well renowned system. But why would someone pay you know, 30000 to get into an area where they can work across Australia and just set it up themselves for four grand. But, you know, they're getting leads, there's a system, there's software, there's support. So people tend to think, okay, particularly I've seen financial planners go into mortgage broking, you know, wanting that system uh, just so they, they're, they're comforted by that. But on the flip side, I think totally the other way. Why wouldn't you just create something from scratch? But I've been through it a couple of times, so I know what to do and what I'm looking for. So it's it really comes down to personal experiences, uh, like Nick and I agree upon getting the right mentors. Mm. If you are going to go into an established business, but I would challenge if you are going into a new business to get mentors as well, because yep. again, what you're trying to do is you know lean off the pathways of so, that someone else has travelled and reduce that time in order to get acceleration on your idea even though that's a cost but you want someone that's executed in the exact business that you're you're in and they can see an accelerated path to you to help you out that's how you can circumnavigate that time frame in building that startup up so i think that's a lot of people don't want to do that because it might be a cost but there's a lot of people out there that are natural mentors that are running businesses that mentor for free as well. You'll generally find the people you resonate with that are doing things you like. And even if it's once a quarter, you catch up with them and pick their brains, um, that's invaluable as well. Get three or four of those uh, and you can you can really you know, fast track your success. Absolutely well said, Marty. Well, guys, that's buying a business or growing organically, pros and cons to each, but I've absolutely loved unpacking that with you both today. Uh, listeners, if you've enjoyed this episode of The Numbers Game, give it a like, give it a share. If you haven't rated us, jump on and click that five-star button. We absolutely love and appreciate all the support that we're getting in season eight and, you know, we're past the 100 episodes now. So uh, thank you for everything. Continue to listen, share and like. And until next time, keep building game over. Thank you.